Good afternoon, Roadie Nation. It's Mark Radigan back here with another week of Mark's Remarks here on WRIU 90.3 Kingston. Today, we have a special episode today. It's our first two-guest special of the year, featuring two very close friends of mine, members of the URI men's club lacrosse team here on campus, two senior defensive middies. I'm joined in the studio today by Sam Dorado and Nick Patazic. How are you guys doing today? How's it going, Mark? Thanks for having us, man. How you doing, Mark? It's good to be here. I appreciate you having us. I'm doing, I'm doing great, guys. Um, fall season just finished up for you guys. Last day of practice was yesterday. I uh, had, a, had a wish you guys do a fun little scrimmage. Nice to see it uh, all competitive, especially during the fall. But I felt this was a good time to kind of discuss what next year could look like and just the growth of the program overall. Obviously, the club men's lacrosse program here at URI has grown tremendously over the past few years, and you guys are two of the um, prime examples to show that growth considering the experience that you guys have on author. I mean, Taz and Sam, just looking at some of your stuff last year, I mean, Nick, 2023 MCLA All-American Honorable Mention, 2023 first-team All-Defense in the CLC, and a two-time CLC Division II champion, and then Sam, second team all defense in 2023 in the CLC, all CLC honorable mention in 2022, and also a two-time CLC champion in the club men's lacrosse conference in New England. So, I mean, just kind of to start the show, give the fans a taste of just the experience that you guys have brought. I mean, start with you, Sam. Just... How did you sort of fall into being a member of this team? Just what were your experiences like joining this program? Because obviously when you joined in 2020, it was at the very start of its journey, let's say. It was a, very, a much smaller program than it is yeah, now. But just, sure. just tell me kind of like what it was like joining up this program. Honestly, it's, it's been a crazy ride. Um, ever since I graduated high school, I mean, I honestly had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I, knew I wanted to play lacrosse, but... I was looking at a few D3 schools up in Maine, thinking about going there, and ultimately I just ended up going to URI just because I had a lot of friends there. My dad went there, and I knew they had a club lacrosse team, but I wasn't really sure like what that even was. So I remember trying out freshman year, and that was during COVID, so freshman freshman year was, was different. Um, tryouts was like the entire semester. Um, we really couldn't play any games, couldn't play any other teams. Um, and honestly, since then, it's just the team has grown into what it is today. It's it's really been a crazy ride, and I like where we're at right now. And Nick, obviously, you joined the program a little bit later. You joined up in 2022. Um, so, I mean, just at, coming in, having now only played really only two years and joining up when you were a so, um, sophomore, uh, sophomore, excuse me, just – what were your experiences like when you decided to join? Like, what were your feelings ahead of tryouts and so on? Um, so similar to Sam, um, when I initially graduated um, high school, um, it was during peak COVID, and I know for a lot of people who graduated during the 2020 season, um, they missed their their spring season. So I know, like, right off the bat, it was really challenging for you know kids in that grade to you know, look to colleges when it came to division schools and recruiting and whatnot. So kind of similar in Sam's bow, um, when I graduated high school, 
I actually went to uh, the community college of Rhode Island. So since that was during COVID, I ended up going there for my freshman year. And then after my freshman year, I inevitably uh, transferred to URI as a sophomore. And then from there, I tried out with the team. And similar to what Sam uh, spoke about, the program has just grown tremendously throughout the past couple of years. Uh, we have a ton of great leaders, including Sam, and alongside past um, past captains that have helped, you know, grow the program and lead us to where we are today. And so, Sam, kind of going back to your story, having joined up in 2020, program obviously in the midst of COVID, having come down from the Division One level after being. A, let's say less than successful outfit at the club division one level moving into division two people were still trying to figure out expectations and then COVID obviously threw a serious wrench in it because you can't really make any judgment on how this team is going to be competitive during a pandemic year when you really can't play any games but 2021 call it your first official year as yeah. a member as a member of the team and you're for one of your first years getting some silverware as a member as a member of that conference championship team where it just seemed that the Rams from the jump were able to click and just like you said where you weren't really sure about what you wanted to do and really how club lacrosse worked in that manner just playing in that first season how did you sort of integrate yourself into the team and what was that first overall official season like for you so funny enough I like playing lacrosse my entire life I was an omitty and coming into freshman year first day of tryouts I remember Coach Madeira saying, why don't you go try D-Mitty for a little bit? I tried out one day, never get called back to O. And, I mean, it's it's great. I love it. I love that that lifestyle that me and Taz share <laughs> down there. Um, but, yeah, I think the COVID, I don't want to say it helped us, but I think it made us a lot closer um, just being together all the time because we couldn't really play any other teams and we couldn't really go out anywhere because everything was closed. So I think that COVID year, we all, like, really became a lot closer as a team, as a program. Um, and we knew we had something special. So that uh, that sophomore year, my, my first official year, you want to call it, um, we didn't necessarily have a lot of expectations. We knew we were good. We didn't know how far it would take us. Obviously, uh, winning the CLC was a great thing for us. And then going to nationals, that that's my sophomore year. It was uh, it was really special because again there we really didn't have a lot of expectations and we ended up making it all the way to the finals. Obviously uh, lost to Utah, but um, I think that's really where things started ramping up. That that sophomore year where we knew uh, we knew we had something special. We just didn't know how special it was. And yeah, and then that was my first year joining up with the program, coming in as a, a social media manager for you guys, having never worked with a lacrosse team or even. <laughs> picked up a lacrosse stick in my entire life so I'm kind of I was in that same boat of like I have no idea what to expect and then um, Charlie White who was the captain of that team offensive player of the year that year as you guys made the national championship so on he's the current head coach now now that um, coach Larry has ultimately retired but when he was bringing me in he was kind of just giving me a little bit of the lay of the land in terms of what to expect with this team. He had talked about how competitive the roster was and just the work that they had put in over COVID to make sure that they were competitive. But I still didn't really have much of an idea of what to expect. And then going out there in the freezing cold against Stonehill for my first ever college lacrosse game, watching you guys play in probably five-degree weather and scoring, I think it was 23 goals away at Stonehill, something like that. Yeah, it was a blowout. 
made made me realize that all right, this team's different. This team is most certainly different. But I also kind of want to just touch upon the game itself and just the position that you guys have really made your own. I mean, yourselves, Aiden O'Connor, Nate Seeger, that sort of quad of defensive middies that have become almost the anchors of this Rhode Island lineup. I mean, Taz, in whatever lacrosse experience that you've had coming up to this, was you share a similar story of where you kind of fell into this defensive midi role? Was this a role that you had played in teams gone by? Um, I would say, well, when I was in high school, I was always more of a, a defensive heavy guy. Um, I always seemed to be one of the more scrappy type lacrosse players than more of an offensive, you know, finesse type, I score all the goals type of guy. So for me, when I transferred here, you know, I kind of had my own uh, idea on where I would kind of fit into the team. It was just more or less what, like, in particular, what spot will I best, you know, help the program. And I think I kind of had my own athletic ability from playing other sports in high school, um, which really helped when it came to, you know, adjusting to, like, new positions and whatnot when I ended up trying out. But, I mean, like Sam said earlier, you know, the defensive mini position – is a very gritty, very hardworking, you know, hard-nosed type position where a lot of people, you know, it's, it's really hard to find a lot of guys that are really committed to, you know, playing a position such as that. And it's kind of like one of those high-risk, high low-rewards type deal where it's like you don't really – a lot of people don't really see a lot of stats and whatnot, and you don't really get perceived as one of the, the top players. But – the coaches and the teammates, a lot of them are the ones that really know how hard you really work in the field and how much you really contribute to, you know, the game itself. Yeah, and I just to piggyback off that, like, obviously we're not making the highlight plays. We're, we're not going BTV. We're not scoring hat tricks every game. But I think it's just a lifestyle that all the D-Middies on the team, like, we're all really close. We all have that same uh, – just that same energy out there and I think it's uh it's really special for uh for a school like us to have the amount of D middies that we have because it's a it's a position that not many people want to play like you don't see too many people out there like wanting to be a D midi like again with me I was just thrown into it and I honestly wish I played uh earlier because I love it I know Taz loves it and uh yeah we uh we got something special over here and gritty that's most certainly, for sure. I mean, just wa- watching the practices, watching the hits getting laid out during games and so on. It's a position that enforcer sort of role that you see in a bunch of different in a, in a bunch of different sports where you have these we have these big um, big big teams with a lot of a lot of midfield presence and so on. That like number six when you're talk when you're talking about it in soccer terms. But when you talk about that sort of underappreciated asset where you're contributing a lot where it may not necessarily be perceived. As the season was going on in, in 2021-2022 when you guys made it to the national championship, defying almost all expectations, as that season sort of progressed, how did your own mentality sort of switch throughout the games as where it's like, all right, you're going into the season, not many people are expecting you to be playing at a super high level, but after you get four or five wins under your belt, at one point did it snap being like, all right, we're legit and a lot of people are going to start to realize real soon. 
Um, I want to say, I mean, the biggest thing for me is, like, no matter the game, whether it's the first game of the season or the championship, just play at your highest level as much as you can. Don't worry about all these external factors. Um, and I think a lot of guys on the team have that same mentality where just play your game uh, no matter the opponent. I think uh, we started to lose that a little bit last year. Um, I'd say we had a little bit of a weaker schedule last year, um, which is why we actually uh, toughened it up, I'd say, this year. So going into Nationals last year, we were ranked number one like the entire season, didn't face much adversity, easily won our first game in Nationals, and then we, we come into Dayton, which was a powerhouse, and we know how that ended. Um, so I think this year we got to have that mentality of play your hardest game, whether we're playing one of these lower lower teams or a team like Dayton when we go visit them in a couple months. I think that's what's really going to take us to the finals if that's, if that's our goal rather than uh, what happened last year. I also feel like, similar to Sam's point, I feel like, you know, having a lot of the players, you know, buy into the whole idea of, like, you know, we work so hard to be at this point in the season. And, you know, like Sam said, throughout the spring, you know, we played all of our games during the CLC, and then we ended up making it to nationals. It's kind of like we're at that point now where it's like, you know, we're in hot weather, we're in places where we don't want to be, but we have this one goal where it's like everyone needs to kind of just buy in and kind of run with it, you know, in that sense. And so that sort of culture, that buy that buy-in culture, it seems like that's something that's instilled in the players from the moment they touch the field during tryouts. And you hear it from all the coaches talking about where it's like all of these positions are up for grabs. It's something that um, Tammy Reese of the women's basketball team, she imposes herself in, in one of the few varsity programs where you see that adamantly held amongst the entire program is every single position is up for grabs. Everyone's fighting for the same spot. And if you show your and you show your worth, a freshman could topple a senior in the lineup and so on. So I feel like that that's a, that's a culture that one that was surprising to me having been a newcomer to this sport and a newcomer to this sort of um, different sporting sphere, because lacrosse obviously is a bit more of a, of a foreign sport to me since I had never really played it before, kind of coming into it and seeing how this sort of club atmosphere was developed was interesting because when you look at conventional club sports, I mean, Sam, you obviously got, you've got particular experience with this having played in the club soccer team too. Yeah. And you see how... Club sports at certain universities, yeah, it's very competitive, but it's you still always have at the back of your head, like, all right, this isn't varsity, like, it's not requiring the same amount of effort, and so on. But with this team, and I feel like you guys can attest to this better than I can, there is way more care and there's way more concern to the day-to-day practices and the day-to-day just events that go on with this team because it's just it seems that there's a different level of perceived competitiveness with this program because of just how good you guys have become in a short time do you think that that i'm in the ballpark with that yeah for sure i mean again before i came before me and nick came here the the program itself it was it was more of a club program like guys would show up to practices kind of whenever they wanted um show up and play type deal you know yeah you just show up you got your your pads on and you just you have fun you know I think since uh since me and Nick came in our uh my sophomore year his his freshman year here um 
we just know that there's something special on this team. And I think over the past four years, we've had great leadership, and they've been able to uh, kind of instill it in our minds that this this team is special, and it's been special for the last uh, last several years. We like we know we can make it to the finals, and we know we can win it all. So I think uh, just having that leadership and making sure everyone's bought in, like Nick was saying earlier, because yes, it is club, but we know we have something special and obviously the ultimate goal is to win the national championship and that's a it's a very possible goal that we can reach i also feel like bouncing off of like the the competitiveness that we talked about a lot of people don't really realize how competitive some club teams may be i mean you can even attest sam like we've played several times many division 3 ncaa teams and we have competed with them so kind of bouncing off of like mark's point the whole idea of it being very competitive, I mean, it's a very serious thing. You know what I mean? Like, people, we spend our time at practice and whatnot, but at the same time, Mark, you made a good point where it's like no one's spot is saved. You know what I mean? It's like more or less, a lot of the times I look at it, and I know I've, I've heard this saying a lot, you know, being comfortable with being uncomfortable in the sense of, you know, your spot's never saved, you know, Injuries may happen, you know, players may not show up because of illness and whatnot, and, you know, your opportunity could flash in the blink of an eye, even though it may be a club sport, you know, you don't realize how competitive and how serious, you know, our organization at URI really takes it. And I think that's what's led us to most of our success throughout the past couple of years is, like we said, holding each other accountable, having that competitiveness, having you know, the backbones of captains such as Sam and coaches such as Larry and our new coach, Charlie, as time went on. I think those are really like the backbones of, you know, our success as a whole. It's that always ready sort of mentality that everyone's got to have where it's like no matter no matter the opponent, no matter the weather, nothing, you got to show up ready to play, show up ready to give your all to the program. And it's something that like playing in team sports, there's always – one or two people that may not fully buy into that buy into that notion that either they have exceptional athletic ability and they feel that they're above that or they just don't fully believe in either themselves or that team but it seems like with this obviously as the roster has gone through a number of changes over the past three years with different tryouts and becoming more competitive you start to see less and less people having that problem whereas it's everybody all the character that the coaches are looking for it's all the same it's all uniform it's all guys that want to be there that are competitive lacrosse players that have exceptional athletic ability that really want to compete and you've got guys that realistically could be competing at division one division two varsity levels that are here playing for this program because even though maybe it wasn't on the cards for them to go play varsity or they didn't really want to commit themselves to that sort of thing they're still willing to commit themselves to this sort of program because they know that it's worth their time and it's it's worth all of the energy that they're putting back into it. No, I definitely agree. And, you know, I look at, you know, my own career and I kind of bouncing back to what we talked about earlier, like several other people's careers, you know, at URI, you know, I got kind of like stuck short with the whole COVID year. So I think that's why I'm kind of bought into more of the whole atmosphere of the fact that, you know, my opportunity 
was very small when it came to, you know, graduating during COVID and trying to play at, you know, the actual divisional level. So when I came here, you know, I bought into the whole program, everyone's competitiveness, and I, I take it almost as serious as, you know, a division program would because, you know, that was my only opportunity to really, you know, have fun in my college career and play at a very competitive level. And so that's why I took it and ran with it. Yeah, and I think uh, that culture that we're talking about really started in that uh, 2020 year. Um, we just we knew we had talent, and everyone decided that they wanted to take this uh, this for for real. And I think that has really helped, especially with the younger guys, because like again, as as people graduate and as we get new guys coming into the team, that uh, that same culture has has stuck with this team, which is why I think. Uh, We've been so competitive for the past past few years and uh, love to keep that going for when we graduate and hopefully see this uh, see this program become successful in the future. And so you guys talked about the exceptional leadership structure that the program has that you can attribute to really being able to instill that culture, that be ready and that just wanting to really be here and compete, that competitive sort of atmosphere. And beyond just the coaches, because obviously – Charlie, having played at URI just a few years ago, having been so successful, coming in as a head coach, seemed like a perfect replacement for Larry once he was retired. Chris, obviously being one of the most dedicated club coaches I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I feel like, for, no, for what it's Chris worth... Chris is a it, dog. And Chris, Chris is a dog. Yeah, shout, out to, shout out to Chris shout Ghostmeyer. Out Chris. Shout out, Chris. Shout out, Coach Chris. But when you, look at, when you look at coaches like Chris, coaches like Jamie, coaches like Chuck, where they treat, they themselves treat it as if they're coaching in a division one program like it's and that's reflected in the products that's being put out on on the field because when you look at some other club programs and you look at just some other programs in general some programs may not even have different coaches for the different sides of the ball and you or i as a club program that just five years ago was barely a speck in the national scheme of things in terms of club athletics now all of a sudden has three coaches, a head coach that knows how to be competitive in both regionally and nationally, an, a- an attack-specific coach that is exceptional at what he does, and a defensive-minded coach for that for the past few years has created a defense that is nationally ranked and one that has just shown that it's got the qualities to shut down even some Division three and Division two programs. So it's I feel like just... What has the coaching itself, your interactions obviously with Chris, because Chris is your main coach per se, and just with Charlie, with Jamie, and Larry, just how have your personal interactions with your coaches sort of molded you guys into the players that you are right now? Yeah, so going off of that, I mean, there's no way we'd be where we are right now without without those guys at the the helm of things. Um, Like you said, we'll we'll play teams and some of them don't have any coaches at all. Like again, club sports supposed to be run by the players, but even just having a few leaders on the team, there's going to be guys who aren't bought in. I think having the three coaches we have and having this team play like a division, like a varsity team, like a varsity program, um, it's really helped us all buy into the team. Um, especially for me with Chris, um, he came in my freshman year, so he's been he's been with the program as long as me. And me and him have a really uh, tight relationship. 
he, I got to credit basically everything that I know about defense to him because going into my freshman year, I did not know a thing about defense and lacrosse. Um, obviously, like, me and Nick, we both had, like, the athletic abilities, but he comes from a more def- defensive background. I had no defensive background at all, so I really got to credit everything to uh, to Chris with that, and he's uh, he's helped me fall in love with the game again, especially from a def- the defensive side of things. And then Jamie and Charlie, um, more, more offensive guys, um, they formed our offense into – what it's been the past two years, which is just a powerhouse up up front. So, yeah, there's there's no way we'd be where we are without them. I would definitely say um, overall the whole coaching staff is really, like Sam talked about, they've put a tremendous amount of effort, you know, into not only us but, you know, our knowledge of the game and helping teach us, you know, new and better ways to, you know, improve our game as a whole and to help our team successfully, you know, make it to that championship and win. But I know since me and Sam play defense that, you know, more in particular, I know Chris, he's putting a ton of hours and he's, you know, he's given a tremendous amount of, you know, help to not only Sam and myself on the defensive end, but I mean, I can't tell you how many times, you know, he's, he's put in, you know, offensive plays like in our slack and, you know, he's helped, you know, form our defense and he's, you know, helped us at practice, you know, he's he's broken down a lot of you know our defenses so that we can really conceptualize and you know understand it from like our point of view as you know as kids as young adults and I would say overall you know Chris has really helped myself and not only myself but our whole defensive side of the ball as well and just kind of moving on just from the coaches there's also student leadership structure as well because when you've got these club teams they're not funded by the athletic department. They're all self-funded through dues and so on. But then there's also a board of a board of players, like an executive board of sorts, just like any other conventional club. And when you just sort of talk about that, like Sam, you're one of the captains for the for this coming season. You got guys like Ian Shermerhorn, former former guest on Marks and Marks, by the way. <laughs> shout out, shout out, Ian, the first member of the shout club lacrosse to, team. Shout out too. Shout out too. Another another <laughs> one of the the D middies, except. He's a, he, a long pole D Mitty. He, he's a bit of an enigma. He 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 does he does a bit of everything on there. He's thing. part of the mob. He's the D mob. He, he's part of the D mob. But I mean, you look you look at guy you look at other guys like Grove and so on and like Cantelli, Kennedy, like all, a lot of these upperclassmen that are up a part of this upper echelon of the leadership structure per se. It's almost in a sense like self accountability because these guys are putting in all the same hard work as the younger guys, but they also take on that extra responsibility of really helping run this program. I mean, even take take Patrick. Patrick's the finance guy for the team, helping put together the budget and so on. Yes, in sir, order, one four. The, yeah, He's shout out, shout out, man. one four. <laughs> He's the tax man of the team. The tax man putting together all the stuff for traveling because all of that has to be set up by students. Like getting the the cost for flying, getting the tickets, getting all of that stuff. I feel like those are some parts of the club sports atmosphere that goes unnoticed um, to to an extent. But, I mean, just, like, as you guys, as part of the upper the upperclassmen, like, echelon of, of this team where you've seen firsthand the leadership and the work outside of the game that goes into this, just what has what's that experience sort of been like for you guys, and how do you feel 
that itself also has contributed to your success on the field. Yeah, going off of that last statement from you, it definitely contributes to our success because to be able to run as a program, like we need to do all this stuff in the background. So guys are doing that. They're, they don't want to do that for nothing, you know? So, like, again, talking about Sauce, 1-4, Patrick Grover. Um, like, he's doing all the taxes, all that stuff. Um, we have guys like Sherm, Cantilli working on travel. And it just shows that these guys really care about this program because, again, we're not just playing lacrosse, but we're running this program as a whole and making sure it, uh, it runs smoothly. It's definitely crazy to really think about, you know, not only how our team competes at the level we do, but at the same time, we're also kind of like the backbone of the organization, you know, along with the coaching staff. You know, a lot of the, the things behind closed doors people don't realize, similar to what Sam talked about with things such as dues, things such as, you know, having the right flights for certain tournaments, you know, being on time with stuff when it comes to, like, with money and payments, all that, you know what I mean? So... We really are, you know, our own backbone of the team. And, you know, I tip my hat to, you know, the kids on the exec board. I know, are you still on the exec board? I, I did it last year, but yeah, I decided, you and I did it last decided to year, take, take a break. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, soup to nuts. I mean, like, every, every single, you know, position, it really, it really kind of comes together and builds our whole kind of organization. And, I mean, we've been successful as we've been you know, with the players that have helped us out. So we should only be going up from there. For and sure. so with that sort of student backbone and the fact that you have this, like, leadership structure where it's not necessarily you guys against the world, but in, in that sort of vein where it's you guys have to put in all of the work. Like, there is no extra support system to really get you guys to get you guys going outside of the outside of the stuff that goes on with campus rec, obviously, because there is still a governing body after all. Yeah. But that, coupled with the fact that there is no Division One men's varsity lacrosse program on campus, do you feel that that's almost extra motivating to bring success for your program because of those extenuating factors? Oh, I would say absolutely. I mean, even Sam can attest. I mean. Since that we don't have a Division One NCAA program here, you know, we're kind of the all eyes when it comes to, you know, men's lacrosse throughout most of the state of Rhode Island at our level. You know, you don't really hear a lot of people talking about other, you know, club college teams other than URI for the most part. And I mean, even last year, you know, we ended up having, you know, the president of the university come to our games and you know support us on the sidelines as we played which is a huge accomplishment i think not only for like ourselves but our program as a whole yeah i think uh i think the guys like again not having a division one lacrosse team at the school i think we're all really proud like even wearing our uh our practice packs all the stuff that says roadie lacks on it i just think we're proud to be that team um on campus and in the state like like Nick was saying, how there's not really any other East Coast like club teams that get the attention we do. So, especially with the success we've had, I think we're we're really proud to be who we are, especially being club. And so then, going on from that, you have that backbone. You have the motivation to be successful. 
And then it obviously showed over the past two years where out of nowhere you guys were unbelievably competitive, made that run to the national championship, and then last year you go into the season ranked number one in the country in terms of club lacrosse at the Division Two level. And so then the expectations now have just gone from almost non-existent to you are expected to steamroll everybody. And then in conference play, you, obvi- you guys obviously were able to do that. Going, I believe you guys went undefeated in conference play last year, and then steamrolled your steamrolled your way through the conference tournament, making it to nationals. But then losing to Dayton in the quarters obviously stings. That felt like a pretty abrupt way to end the year. Going down to Texas just to go to go up against Dayton, a team that it was a powerhouse, but they were ninth. The was it the ninth seed in the tournament, or was it some somewhere? I, so. I want to say like so. somewhere yeah. like there. So, with that said. The expectations, season upon season, have been steadily improving. This year, the expectations are still very high. Because I, I, like I, I feel like many believe that the game against Dayton last year caught you guys on a bit of an off day, and that given another chance, it would be a little bit more competitive. And it's reflected in that in the polls. poll came out a few, day, a few days ago. Six of the seven first-place votes for the CLC this year. Maine surprisingly got a first place vote. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. I saw Maine getting a first place vote. Team you guys beat seventeen to four in the conference tournament final last year. A little bit Yikes. little surprising to me. But either way, in terms of the expectations continuously growing for you guys, how have you been able to deal with those expectations? Obviously, it's a club program, so it doesn't get the same attention media wise as varsity programs you're not seeing as much of it in the news but i feel like that almost has to make the expectations mean a lot more to you because from maybe your perspective not everybody else truly cares about it as much as you do yeah i want to say i honestly want to say the expectations of winning the national championship last year was uh more or less our downfall um so my sophomore year when we made it to the finals we had little expectations at all going into uh going into nationals we uh we hopped on the plane we were all excited to go to texas and we're like yeah maybe maybe we'll win a few games here and there and then see see what happens then um couple couple days later we're in the national championship to uh ended up being a loss to utah but my junior year last year um since we made that national championship run the expectations were always, all right, now we're going to the national championship again because we did it last year, and arguably our team's better. We end up losing to Dayton in, in uh, the second round, and we were we were stunned. And I think uh, our biggest thing was that we didn't play, like, too many high-level teams last year and uh, pretty much coasted our way to uh, Texas. So I think the expectation is there. But we just got to take it game by day, game game by game, and uh, just play our game. You know, bouncing off of Sam's point, you know, I kind of think of it as, you know, it's one thing for, you know, ourselves two years ago to hop on a flight and make it to nationals and say, all right, we finally made it here. You know, our goal is to go as far as we can with what we have. But it's different, you know, when it came to last year. And we kind of, like you said, we had that expectation of being like, all right, well, we know where we're at, you know, physically and mentally, you know, to make it to this championship. But, you know, 
we just couldn't execute. We just couldn't capitalize on the little things, and that ended up costing us in the end. And so then, now that you guys sort of are aware, in a sense, of that sort of expectation and how you were able to deal with it, knowing just how big of a jump it was from year one to year two, now going into year three, it's obviously a very different roster. From my perception, having watched you guys during the fall, obviously the spring brings a whole different sort of aura. New players come out of nowhere and so on. It seems more balanced to a degree. I mean, it seems that the de- from defense to offense in the midfield, it seems that there's a there's a, a, a pleasant balance at all positions where you've got exceptional players at every position and you've got very um, comparable depth at all at all um, in all facets of the game. Yeah. That said. With the expectations imposed upon you guys, obviously you're expected to roll in the CLC and then make a run in Nationals, in Nationals again. How do you feel that you guys are going to deal with the expectations this year, and what expectations have the two of you set for yourselves and the team going into 2024? I mean, obviously, like we said, the expectation is to win the National Championship this year, but we're not going to get there if that's the only goal and we're not looking at anything else, we're not looking at all the little factors because if we're not playing our game against these uh, lower-level teams, yeah, we'll, we'll still probably probably win a few of them, but we're not, we're not helping ourselves. So like I said before, we just got to take it game by game, play our game, our style that Coach Chris, Charlie, Jamie – that they're all trying to uh, impose on us that we've been working on the entire fall. So basically just taking it every every step of the way until we get there. And, uh, yeah, I think guys are, are really starting to understand that because we had a lack of that um, kind of, like, mindset last year. Bouncing off your point, Sam, I know, especially on the defensive side, Coach Chris, you know, he mentioned he really preached on it last year. Um but, you know, like we talked about, you know, our main goal as an organization is to make it to a national championship and inevitably, you know, win the national championship. But I know one thing that our uh, Coach Chris really harped on last year was kind of having that big goal in mind, but also setting a lot of the smaller goals, you know. And he, he would always mention at practice, I mean, Sam, you know, he would always talk about how, you know, our first goal is to be the best in Rhode Island. And then the next goal, the next goal is to be the best in New England and then our third and you know final goal which is you know in the distance you know from where we are right now in the fall but it's it's the big goal you know overall is to be you know the best in the country and I think Chris has really held us to that expectation and you know as we make our way throughout the season through the fall and then through the spring we kind of you know check off those goals you know and we try and meet them each and every day whether it be at practice or when it comes to a game. And so then just for you guys being seniors, fin- final year at final year at URI, final year of lacrosse in, in a competitive sense for you guys moving forward, I just how do you feel URI men's lacrosse has impacted you guys on a personal level in terms of your own growth just as people? Because I feel like that this team, it's a band of brothers. All of you guys 
if basically family. You guys have brought me in as someone who's never played lacrosse. Mm. You guys have brought me in as basically family. And I mean, I can just tell by the f- way that the two of you guys play together when you bring o- when you bring OC into this mix and just the rest of the program in general. It's all seems to be like one big family. So just kind of in a bit of a reflection, what has this program given to you guys that has allowed you to just grow as people over the time that you guys have spent playing? I mean, like like you said, like we're just we're one big family. Um, I love all these guys on the team. Obviously, it's my guy Six over here. It's like one of my best friends now. Um, it's been. It's just been a great experience. I had, like I said before, I had no idea what I was getting myself into when I first started freshman year. But just being able to, uh, like, I'm from Rhode Island, so I, I already knew a few guys who uh, who went to URI. But, like, being a guy from out of state, it's it's hard meeting new, new people at college. And I think joining this team, you're uh, you're joining the family. And we're, we're a tight-knit group. And we're just we're making memories, you know, that are gonna stick with us the rest of our lives. And it, like even you, like you're not on the team, but you're you're part of the family too now. So I think I think that's really helped me grow as a person, like meeting new people, creating new brothers, and uh, it's it's been great. Best best decision I've made in my life. Um, yeah, I would definitely say that like we've grown as you know individuals but I think like our whole team camaraderie has really you know changed throughout you know at least like my career here and like you talked about Sam you know like we're all buddies at the end of the day you know what I mean so like when it comes to things like things like practice and you know and differences with with plays and hits and all that stuff at the end of the day you know I look at it very similar to football and like hockey where it's like when it comes to practice our goal is to play our absolute best against one another. And if you may hate someone at the time, then you may hate them. You know what I mean? But when it comes down to it and practice is over and you take your pads off at the end of the day, you know, you look at each other and you're like, all right, this kid's my buddy, this kid's my pal. You know what I mean? Like, he's one of my boys. You know, so I think I think that's what's so cool about sports is, you know, the whole idea of, you know, being so competitive against one another and then at the end of the day, you know, kind of coming back to it and really just like sitting back and being like dang you know that's my boy you know what I mean like that's my buddy you know like we can go grab some food together after practice you can go to the dining hall and just chop it up you know it's it's really cool to be a part of something like that I love it well boys it has been an absolute pleasure having you guys come on today I for one am very excited to see how this chapter for the both of you ends this coming season. I'm excited to see how this team overall progresses, see what Charlie, Jamie, and Chris can cook up for the spring um, and so on. But again, boys, thank you so much for coming on today, sharing some of your stories. I feel like a lot of people are going to be a lot more intrigued to see how you or I men's lacrosse move on now once we hit the spring. Yeah, no, thanks for having us, Mark. Yeah, thank you, Mark. I appreciate you having us. And uh, roll Rams. Roll, roll Rams. Roll Rams, what he, Rams baby. What, what he said. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. As always, Roadie Nation, I'll be back not next week. Next week is Thanksgiving break, so we're going to be taking a one-week hiatus. Going to find a new guest. I'm going to be entering the first show. It'll be, We'll be back December 1st, same time as always. So, folks, I'll catch you in the next one.